Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Matt Ward is a singer-songwriter from South Australia who last year released the album If I Was in Dallas Tonight, which was the follow-up to his 2019 album Heartland. He has a new single out from that album called Too Drunk to Two-Step. Hi, Matt. Hi, Sophie. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And I'm wondering how often it has been that you have been too drunk to two-step. Um, I might need a few drinks to start two-stepping and uh, sometimes it gets that way. So I think I wrote the song late one night with a friend. Um, so well, I started to write the song late one night with a friend. So a little bit of truth in it. Well, of course, Becky Cole has a song called Men Don't Dance. So ah. perhaps you're proving her right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can two-step a little bit. I certainly learned that whilst uh, in the US for a little while. Um, I'm certainly not uh, the best two-stepper, but I've got the, the fundamentals. And uh, apparently the um, if you do it Dallas style, it's very, very slow and simple anyway. So I like that. Okay, so there are different styles of two-stepping. I am learning things. Absolutely there is, yeah. So it's all in the... Um, I guess it's all in the culture of the different uh, different parts of the South, I guess. So, and, and, and Dallas, the old farm hands were very, very steady. So I think that's the way it goes. So, <laughs> so what was the inspiration behind the song, apart from, you know, the two-step itself? Yeah, I was, it's a little bit of a fun song. Um, I think uh, it was late one night where um, I got the first inspiration and uh, wrote the first parts of the chorus. Um, and then when I started mucking around with it, I just uh, pictured um, an old timer in a bar in uh, either the US or, or in Australia and um, watching all these uh, kids come through and uh, playing country music or taking over the bar. And um, I just imagined uh, him or her sitting there uh, uh, still just, just observing the others and, and just uh, a bit of a reminder to, you know, always respect those that have come before you and the old timers in, in country music and the like. So it's a bit tongue in cheek, just a bit of fun and uh, also a bit of, uh, bit of a story behind it, if you can imagine it. Yeah. Do you often imagine characters when you're writing songs? Because uh, obviously with this one, it's not from your direct experience, you've used your imagination. Yeah, I definitely a um, bit of a bit of everything. So um, quite often they start um, from my own inspiration, mm-hmm. uh, like Too Drunk to Two Step, and then I start to imagine other characters as part of that. Um, there's some songs that have been inspired purely by other characters, um, some songs inspired by family events and uh, putting my... Uh, my feet in the in the shoes of other people and um, sometimes yeah definitely from myself so and the way I write music is also a bit of a combo of everything sometimes it's chords some uh, first sometimes it's melody first sometimes it's the lyrics first so yeah I do come from from a, a lot of different angles. So how when you first started songwriting was it uh, I suppose it's it's natural it would be to express your own experience because that's how a lot of art starts uh, but as you went on did you find that I suppose it was an amalgam of all those things, as you said, but did you have a method when you first started writing songwriting? Um, The method when I first started, so you're absolutely right, it started from a cathartic experience to do do with life issues. Um, And then I just continued to write and um, I was a lot of travel actually and um, 
dare I say, not to reveal my age, but lots of travel potentially without a phone back in the day. And um, Good so God, I, those old days. <laughs> that's right. So I actually had a, a lot of writing um, done sitting at bars and, and sitting in cafes, um, not scrolling Instagram. And um, some of the music I still, or some of the lyrics, I, my apologies, I still draw from. So, um, yeah, the first method was writing um, and a cathartic experience. And then I was... Uh, as my experience started to grow, uh, so did my, you know, the diversity of how I wrote songs. And have you found that by putting yourself in other people's shoes or other characters' stories as you're writing, that that is a way for you to try to understand the human experience, for lack of a better term? Absolutely. Sorry, I'm not sure if you can hear a dog next door. That's not my dog. It <laughs> doesn't matter if it is. Dogs are always good. Yeah, that's right. It's my neighbour's dog. Um uh absolutely um i think um in in my life with my family um through uh, work outside of music as well um always important to put yourself in the shoes of other people and to um write music that people can connect with i guess to um help them uh with their life experiences and um to provide an avenue to um process their own life and, and thoughts and, and the like so yeah sometimes it's myself and, and sometimes certainly thinking about other people when i write so um yeah it's diverse <laughs> have you ever had someone come up to you and swear that the song is about them <laughs> Yes, I have. I can't remember which song it was, my apologies, but I've definitely had that. Um, and I'm like, sorry, it wasn't. And they said, oh, well, it makes, yeah, makes me feel like X, Y and Z. So certainly get that. And hopefully it wasn't too awkward. I can't remember. <laughs> but that would be really gratifying for you as well, I would think, to, to know that it's resonated with them enough that they feel like it's their story. Yeah, that's that's very true. And I've had people say, you know, that reminds me of X, Y and Z or that reminds me of a certain person. So um, and I think that's increased over time. So um, starting to uh, I guess as your songwriting matures, I think you start to get better at writing um, stories that are timeless and also um, uh, objective with regard to, you know, who it could be referring to. So I think mm. that's that's part of uh, maturing as a songwriter as well. And plus, partly also part of your job as a country music artist, which is to make that connection through stories. And, and I think what's lovely about the genre is that the audience does feel like they can come up and chat to you and say things like that. Yeah, it's a very it's a um, it's a very personal uh, genre, um, and uh, I get lots of uh, personal message from fans, and um, I feel like yeah, I can connect with them straight away, and I think they they really like that as well. And um, I think there was uh, somebody who was. Uh, behind some of the series of ABC of Australian country music was talking about country music being about uh, the story of the road, the heart um, and the country itself. And I've always, that's always stuck with me that bringing those three things together. Well, there goes oh, there's, a, there's a dog chorus going on. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> but coming, back, <laughs> coming back to Too Drunk to Two Step, uh, you have Bonnie Montgomery singing on the track as she does on Old Ground, which is uh, another single from the album. How did that connection come about? Yeah, that was in Austin. Um, funnily enough, um, it was at the Continental Club and we were seeing James McMurtry play and um, James McMurtry, an incredible uh, American songwriter, uh, probably the best songwriter in the world. And um, we were two-stepping actually and uh, we were dancing and uh, we had a, a drink afterwards and um, started chatting and, and Bonnie um, had actually spent time in South Australia and Australia and got to know her and that she was a singer-songwriter in her own right and actually an opera singer and had written an opera and she still does a whole range of art. Uh, she's an incredible artist and um, it was 2017 and um, the next night she was playing at the White Horse in, in Austin and uh, her guitar broke 
Um, and she was about to go to West Texas, where I was going in a couple of, in a couple of months' time, and I lent her my guitar. And um, I think she thought that that was some Australian generosity. And so, yeah, we've remained friends ever since. And um, where I recorded the um, album, a place called Wimberley in Texas at Yellow Dog Studios, she was living just close by as well and made the connection. So that's, that's part of that, yeah, that small community, um, very generous community of country music. Now, just to backtrack, you mentioned James McMurtry and said he's perhaps the greatest songwriter ever. That is a massive call. <laughs> so you're going to have to justify that, Matt. <laughs> okay, no problem. Um, he is somebody who is exemplary at telling common stories about other people and making you feel like you're in their shoes. Um, his dad was um, Larry McMurtry, the author of um, part of that trilogy that wrote to Lonesome Dove, I think, so, um, and, and the others. I can't remember them off the top of my head. So as a, as a lyricist and, and storyteller and songwriter, um, he's definitely um, up there as one of the greatest songwriters ever, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll believe you and may now <laughs> seek out his songs. Um, he does have an album that came out last year that many rated the best album of last year. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible album. Um, yeah. Check it out. Okay. Now your album, if I was in Dallas tonight, um, I, I think my impression is it has songs that have serious intentions, but you also have a light touch in delivering those intentions. Do you consciously strive for that balance? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think they came out that way. I, I remember your first review and um, several reviews at the time commenting on the light touch nature of them, particularly I think the back half of the album and um, reflecting. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess they do. So, um, uh, no. So sometimes I like to write a, a meaningful song and for it to hit right in the heart. And um, I think because it had some of the kind of, uh, I tried to go for a little, little bit more of the classic uh, country feel in some of the songs, and I think that lightened the mood on, on some of them as well. But certainly there's one song, um, I didn't write a song about you, which um, had very serious uh, background to it in terms of a part of my life, and um, that was definitely a bit of a lighthearted um, uh, tongue-in-cheek um, jab at a couple of people, but that's okay. <laughs> that was that was one of the songs I was thinking of because that that's there's some serious story in that song, um, and yeah, you know, the way you deliver it, of course, it's open to the listener's interpretation as to whether everything actually did happen. Yeah, oh, um, no, <laughs> <laughs> not not everything happened. It was one of those list songs where you start to think. Um, yeah, you start to list of things that you do when you when you break up with somebody, but. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed, <clears throat> excuse me, I enjoyed writing that song. <coughs> yeah, it is a great song. Um, and by light touch, I also meant that <clears throat> it's that really interesting thing that can happen with songwriters where there's a, there is a lot in the in the song, there's many layers in the song, there's quite a lot of emotion, there's meaning, there's story, but the light touch is almost like the Mary Poppins thing of a spoonful of sugar helping the medicine go down so that the <laughs> listener can, can really take on board what they want and learn from it, perhaps learn through repeated listening but it's 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 entertainment and it's meaningful entertainment. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's that's good to hear. And um, yeah, well, I, I'm glad it went down that way. Put it that way. So. <laughs> so another song that has a light touch, but also I think another meaning is uh, Bondi's No Place for a Cowboy. Um, but I'm presuming you came to this conclusion via personal experience. <laughs> um, I was during COVID. Um, going back and forth between Bondi um, to see a friend, um, trying the um, relationship during a, you know, during COVID and uh, interstate and lockdowns and the like. Um, and when having come back from Bondi, I think it was 2020, 
and it was when quarantine was a thing and I was in two, two weeks quarantine in South Australia and um, another one where not full truth in it because um, I love Bondi and I love my experience there, but I just then imagined uh, Bondi is no place for a cowboy. And then I imagined a cowboy on the beach of Bondi <clears throat> and that started to grow in my mind as well. So that, that had a bit of fun to it as well. And unfortunately never made the film clip. So we had plans to start making the film clip for that one uh, with my manager and, and some other people at the time. And uh, yeah, we had some good imagery in our head in terms of uh, a dressed up cowboy on the beach and a little bit uh, Alan Jackson, uh, Chad, hoochie type style but maybe with some surfboards and some surf lifesavers so i might go back and record that uh, music video one day because it would be a lot of fun yeah i well now that you've described it like that i do want you to make that video so <laughs> um now the the title track is if i was in dallas tonight um and obviously that's the name of the album and there are quite a lot of american places and spaces on this album now you mentioned recording it in the united states did you actually write quite a few of the songs while you were there um i yes so some of the lyrics i did and then came home and write, wrote some of the music as well so a bit of a combination there was actually a couple of songs on there that um, i drew from travel in america but not uh, recent travel so as far back as 2014 2015 so um the opening track and the final track lost and found an american road that bookends the album um they're quite different um and you can probably hear that compared to the rest of them so they have quite a um a cinematic ethereal feel to them and mm. i thought that was a really nice way to bookend the album and the whole album is about my travels to and from america and australia over that time from 2014 through to more recent times and um so yeah some of them definitely written on planes on the way home and uh, some whilst I was back here as well. Now you mentioned American Road and that is your most recent single from the album and it is a really epic closing track. When you were writing it or even just thinking about it, did you perceive of it as an epic track? Um, yeah, I just just came out that way, to be honest. So <laughs> it was, uh, I, I can, like Lost and Found, I can imagine Open Road, sort of uh, David Lynch type movies. Um and uh, the simple chord structure, um, and it just evolved that way. And um, it's funny, when I let myself go a little bit more, I, I quite often go into that realm of, um, you know, when, when you let go of oh, three minutes 30 or, you know, is this going to be radio friendly, et cetera, et cetera, I certainly start to go down that, uh, that more experimental type route, which I really, really like. And um, so, yeah, it, it just, it just flowed, flowed that way. Yeah, right. Uh, well, it works extremely well, but it also makes you want to just go back to the start again because it's like, well, I've been on this journey and now I think I need to go on it again. So there you go. That's, that's fantastic. It has, has a few purposes. Um, so I've completely forgotten the question I was going to ask you about. I'm going to have to look over at my questions. Um, what did you grow up listening to? Was it country music? Um, I grew up with Australian rock, essentially. So, uh, yeah, the first... Um, First album I remember listening to was Ice House. Um, I had three older sisters, um, and I was a I was a little tacker, and you know they were listening and to music and buying records and the like at the time. So um, Ice House, um, Hootie Gurus, um, my first concert ever um, as an underage ager was uh, Hootie Gurus, which was an incredible. Um, experience, um, and um, then I started to, as many 
people did in the 90s, venture into grunge. Um, and uh, then a couple of friends yeah, started getting into um, artists such as Whiskey Town um, and uh, Ryan Adams at the time, and, and um, that then led me to country as well. So certainly didn't start listening to country music. My parents were opera and classical music fans, and Sunday mornings were the worst because I'd always wake up to uh, opera. So And listen, I, I appreciate opera, but not at six o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. So was that to wake you all up? Was that the reason for it so early? Um, I'm not sure if they'll watch this or not, but um, I think, yeah, dad was waking up to, to work um, and uh, he uh, he worked uh, very hard all his life, still does. And um, he was getting up on a Sunday morning to start working as well. And I think he was like, right, everyone else can start working as well. So It was motivational, obviously. <laughs> yes, that's right. So when did you start, um, well, we talked about your songwriting life, but when did you actually start playing an instrument and start singing? Um, I played piano at school and I sang in a choir at school. Um, so that was quite early on. Um, and then I did a lot of study in my 20s and then I picked up the guitar sort of late 20s, early 30s and started writing songs then. So, um, yeah, I took a sort of hiatus from music for about 15 years, I'd say, and then, um, yeah, picked up the guitar, started writing songs based on some personal experience and um, I think the country, at the time, I was spending a lot of time in remote South Australia um, and that whole thing about the road to heart and and the country sort of came together at the right time and um, plus, you know, I'm no... um, I'm no savant when it comes to the guitar. So um, the three chords in the truth thing, maybe let's say six or seven or eight chords in the truth sort of uh, (laughs) suits me just fine. Well, I think it suits the audience as well. You know, you need to deliver the message in a straightforward way if things get too tricky. Exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, now you mentioned being in remote South Australia and your work is in land and wildlife management. Um, right. It has been for quite a long time. How did you get into that? Um, I, it's a very good question. I started working in a hospital um, when I was, uh, I was quite young when I left school and taking x-rays and um, I did that for a year and I think I had a good mate at the time who we used to go surfing and he was like, do something else. Don't do this rest, rest of your life. And I'm like, yeah, good idea. And so I went back and I studied science and one thing led to another. And um, sorry, my dog's still barking. Um, and I took a trip to the remote APY lands in South Australia, the Ananjari, Yankunjari lands um, as a volunteer um, about 20 years ago. Um, and yeah, that changed my life and changed the direction of my life. And um, that one thing led to another and I kept studying. And then I eventually, um, yeah, um, was lucky enough to get a job working in the remote parts of South Australia and sort of um, have done that on and off for the last 20 years or so. So very lucky. So do you come and go from those parts of the country? I'm, I'm more in town these days, so um, but the first sort of 12 years or so in that role, yeah, spending a fair bit of time um, in remote South Australia in the far west of South Australia and in that sort of volunteer experience as well across Australia as well. So, But definitely... Um, definitely in town a little bit more often these days and music keeps me there as well. So mm. I, I have a nice balance that enables the flexibility for music as well. Because you're certainly great at evoking a sense of space in your in your music and, well, I mean, not just place, but I say space on purpose because it's that mystical thing that can happen with instruments whereby you're evoking a feeling of being somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think it, it, it's so mystical it's hard to explain it or describe it for the person who's creating it. Oh, that, that's that's really great to hear. Sometimes that's deliberate and sometimes I think it's 
just comes out that way. So I, I think it has definitely influenced me. Um, and um, I still try and draw from that sort of in a deliberate way sometimes. Um, and sometimes I, I assume it would be subconscious in the way that it comes out as well. So, but um, I'm, I'm also really conscious of reconnecting with country um, in the way that I can, um, as much as I, you know, to not only keep my, you know, sanity and well-being, and uh, you know what life's like if you spend too much time in front of a computer or too much doing one thing, you go, you go baddies. So just trying to get that balance in life of spending plenty of time outside on the country and uh, with my dog, but also writing music and and uh, work as well. So yeah. So you mentioned in town. I'm presuming you're in Adelaide, and if so, I'm wondering what the music scene's like in Adelaide after COVID. Has it popped back up again? Are you feeling it's invigorated? Yeah, it's really, it's uh, popped up really, popped back really, really nicely, actually. So, um, and South Australia has some really fantastic uh, country um, artists. You know, there's probably about half a dozen to a dozen um, well-known ones or ones that are emerging. And um, uh, yeah, it's it's busy. It's getting busier. Um, Makes it, it's a little bit challenging from South Australia to get to the East Coast scene. Um, that's um, So I have to be quite targeted when I do that. And unfortunately for my album, the East Coast was locked down. So I focused on South Australian touring and um, but that st- certainly worked really well. And I think I was one of the few people touring last year when everything was locked down because South Australia was still open. So I was very fortunate to do that. It was you, the Queenslanders and Western Australia. I just had the, <laughs> had the run of it. That's right. <laughs> So looking ahead, are you working on some new songs or are you just thinking you'll have a breather after? Because it has been a tumultuous time, even when you've been in a state that's been relatively open. Yeah, um, I had my downtime the first half of this year. So I was all due to go to Tamworth and um, have a couple of shows there. And um, Tamworth had, you know, the plug, uh, plug pulled at, at early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, things got busy in other parts of my life in the first half of the year and I just just didn't happen not not a lot happened in the first half of the year but uh looking back I think that was really really important and um had a couple of friends which uh pushed me to get out of South Australia in early July and actually went and spent some time down with um uh, my friend Amber and uh Matt Fell the producer um they've got a property down in Tassie and um helped them out there a little bit and um I started writing again um and um I've been creative ever since. So, yeah, I'm, I'm writing music. I've been in the studio with my Adelaide band and uh, recording some uh, slightly different type of um, music. So not different type of music. It's just um, uh, it's live in the studio and it has a little bit more of a new, young, crazy horse type of um, vibe to it. So that's a lot of fun and um, got the tracks back from that and there's a couple there that um, yeah, are quite different but I definitely will release. So... It's inspired me to go back into the studio with them. Um, I went back to Tassie recently to record a song with Matt, um, mm. and that's a special project song um, about my hometown here. And mm. um, I won't reveal it just yet. There's a specific part of my hometown, and um, that's going to be really exciting to release that um, next year. But I have to release it. Uh, we have to work out the, the date to release it because it's lined up with something here. So anyway, stay tuned. That's going to be a lot of fun and I'm really, really excited. And, um, and yeah, we will be recording another album too as well. So I might head back down there and um, help Matt out and um, he can help me out. So. Well, now I want to hear that song you're talking about, but obviously we'll have to wait. But in the meantime, you do have singles out. You have an album out uh, and people who are in Adelaide can can catch you, no doubt, um, and hopefully you'll tour the East Coast at some point. And Matt yep. Ward, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much. 
Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.